Welcome to It's All Fine and Dangy, where we talk about community, health, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Well, hey guys, and welcome to episode 11. And by the way, guys, we're doing this and that chit-chat over coffee. We are. I think I just slurped right into the microphone, but I love this. I I think I like this and that chit-chat better than just this and that. I think you should be in charge of introducing all the segments because you do it so much better than I do. (laughs) You know what I noticed going back and listening to our podcast is that that? I like to sing words. Yes, you do. I like... I sing things. You do. Absolutely. You do. Welcome. <laughs> How's everybody's morning? Yeah, it's good though. It's Mary Poppins. I should be in a Disney movie. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, everybody, I know you're so curious. How's that kitchen coming along? <laughs> I have came home from work every day and worked on it a little bit. You have. And today, after we get done recording and traveling to Tampa... But when I get home from there, instead of just chilling, I'm going to work on those cabinets a little bit. I think we're going to finish it. We may finish today. I hope so. And so. then and then we get to start appliance shopping. So Fun. I know we're taking people through the play-by-play. And everyone I talk to about our home renovations, like you You're guys are still, still doing, doing it. But hey, <laughs> just, just for clarity, we are doing it ourselves. And we did have a contractor do a lot of the, you know, the majority of the initial work that we did. But as far as converting our kitchen, when I say we are doing it, I'm talking about me, Angie, her family, and 90% of it is really Angie alone doing it. So picture one person. Angie with, causes disaster sometimes, with though. So. All this extra work. And I had my, the, the current class 2018-2019 students um, from Everglades University graduated, a bunch of the... Um, People I went to school with. That's right. Carola and Salo um, and Rosaria. And um, those were the three that I had in a bunch of my classes. But congratulations to them. They graduated. And I went and did, you know, some volunteer work to help get everything set up and and just kind of be there to support them. Right. And then I'll be be graduating next year in May. And hopefully they get to come. Because yeah, I'll be I'll kind of by myself. <laughs> I will definitely be there, of course, <laughs> but I hope they everybody's do. Everybody's gone that I've kind of had all the classes with, so they just started sooner than I did, so they're finishing up. So congrats yep. to them. And then I am going to be hunkering down here. I got my outline started for my thesis, which they call a capstone at the school I go to. So I will be starting working on that for at least two hours a day from here until August. As if you're not busy enough already, right? Yep. On top of my regular classes that I still have. So that's right. Yeah. And everything else. But well, got to give a great presentation. You know, that goes in my permanent uh, portfolio. That's right. Yeah. Well, I keep saying that, but you know what I mean. I, yeah, I agree. That's your word. We know. So, what's <sighs> up with you? I'm going to give up on not saying that. Well, You've that's been very exciting. <laughs> well, real quick, just to finish up on the graduation thing. I mean, you worked really hard on this, and it's so close. So that's uh, uh, so. The only thing that kind of sucks is it's delayed gratification because I'm done, and I think I give my capstone in September, yep. which I will invite all my family members to of and course. friends and whoever, because yeah. you know how I am with an audience. Oh yeah, I work much better. <laughs> And, um, but then I don't walk until May. Right. So it's like eight months later. It's a big delay. It's a big delay. It kind of sucks. 
Well, but I mean, it's, it's still gratification. I know what you're yeah. saying. That would be nice to... I can plan a way bigger party then. <laughs> you know what it might be? It might actually be... You might find it to be almost a blessing because you'll get some sort of gratification just from finishing and then you get like a second gratification later. Yeah, yeah so that's true. That's true. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I've been very busy with day job work. It's mm-hmm. um, I won't I won't bore everybody with the details. But you've been productive. That's right. Thank you. I've I mean, been you've been working though till eight and nine o'clock at night sometimes. Yes, I have been productive, but um, you know, I don't know how. I know some of the some of the staff from the from my day job listen to the podcast sometime. And so I won't normally do this or really get into this, but I have an amazing team. I know you do. And they have been working harder than I've been. They're doing the real work. I'm just trying to organize and make sure everything's moving. And uh, we've got some big rollouts that we're doing and two regions in Canada next week. And then a couple weeks later, I'll be in uh, Chicago. You have a lot of traveling in June. U.S. Central back in U.S. South, then over to the West Coast, I'll be traveling and you know, um, anyway, props to the team and we've been very, very busy, but it's taken up a bunch of my time. So for my, this and that segment, I, it's really just this and this because it's just, (laughs) it's really been day job work has been consuming everything right now. And it's good. It's very productive and, uh, I'm excited for what we're about to roll out here. And we forgot to mention, this is the start of Reading and Literacy Month. Oh, we did. Well, you know what? We just got right into it. (laughs) I was going to do that uh, um, when we when we introduced Steve Steve. when we head down to meet with Steve. But yeah, this month it's a big that's a big point. And um, this month's theme, as I mentioned in the last uh, sort of special episode for Winter Garden is uh, literacy. So we're going to focus heavily on charities that help to promote literacy for kids, uh, adults, for the elderly, um, different things like um, being able to read to the elderly who's, you know, if you're, when you get older and your eyes are going bad, some people love to read, but can't actually physically read a book anymore. Um, Teaching kids to read, teaching adults to read, or to read better if they have a low um, reading level. So we're really excited. But the interviews will all be based around authors and editors and um, anything that to anything with, to do with books. Yeah, and, love uh, it. I'd love it too because this I, is definitely more your month. I know, and I have a tendency to repeatedly mention that I'm not trying to plug my own books, but I I also don't want to try to back away from that topic this month. So I'm just sort of, of letting it not. go because some of it is going to be a little bit of self promotion, but. I am a total book nerd. I'm a I'm an author, so I'm super jazzed about this month. So yeah. thanks for mentioning that because I forgot all about sort of introducing it. Yeah, and with that in hand, we have a great giveaway for this month. We really do. So I mentioned last month that we had an exciting one coming, but we have for our contest this month. The first prize for the contest this month is a new Kindle Fire tablet. And I know I'm kind of a techie nerd too, but this is a really nice tablet in that it's a full color seven inch tablet. It runs the Kindle app, which is great for reading books. So it's the perfect size device for reading books. It's also, you can read like full color magazines on it and stuff. It runs Audible, so you can listen to audiobooks on it. And then it's a full blown tablet. So you can do email and watch Netflix and YouTube and do your social media or play games or listen to music. It's got a full blown app store. Um, you know, we, we in, internal to our house, we're big Apple people and we have yeah. iPads and stuff, but the Kindle tablet really impressed me. In fact, you know, it's got Wi-Fi, Alexa. We all have Kindles, right? 
We do. Well, we have a black and white one. This yeah. is the fancier uh, color oh, one. Oh, that's right. But it's got like a front and rear facing camera, so you can do video calls. Oh, it's this got, would be great for somebody. It really is cool. And it's got like an eight-hour battery life. So I had a um, another YouTube channel, the Smart Fox channel, I really don't do much with anymore. But I did some product reviews years ago. And there's a, a one or two generations older. We have the newer generation that we're giving away. But one or two generations older, I did a review on it. So I'll post a link to that, too, because I kind of walk through it. If you're a total nerd for this stuff like me, then you might want to check it out. But it's a really nice gift. This or if is, not, you might want to check it out because it'll show some features that maybe people don't know how to use if well, they win true. it especially. That's very true. Yeah, it's very, very intuitive, very easy to use. And, and if you have a tablet, you know what I mean? Most people do. If you don't, it's kind of like a giant phone, but you have the ability to... Uh, it's a very portable way to watch movies and do email and especially read, which is the big focus here. Yeah. And... Uh, it's just, it's really great for reading books. Ooh, and, cool. and what so, do they have to do? To do well, to well get hold it, on. To get so it. the, 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 um, the first, there's going to be, we'll, we'll do first, second and third place oh. prizes here. So the first place prize will be you win the tablet and a free p- promo code for an audible version of my first novel in the dark. So here's my sort of plug, uh-huh. but that's a $20 value for the audible book alone. If you tie that to the Kindle, it's a $60 prize package value. That's so it's awesome. a really decent value. And then second, third and fourth place. I'm sorry, second and third, there's no fourth, second no, and no third fourth. place prizes. <laughs> will be a free promo code for a free version of the audiobook of my first novel that's in the dark. Um, it's got 100% positive ratings. I'm very proud of it. I'm also humbled and thankful for all the ratings. So I would love to be able to give away um, a few more copies of this. So I got my hands on a few more promo codes from Audible, and I want to include those in the package. So here's how you win. So we've done a post of the Kindle Fire tablet on our Facebook site, and I'll post a link to it in the show notes. But on that post, if you haven't seen it already, if you don't follow us on Facebook, all you have to do is go to that post. And again, I'll link it in the show notes. You have to tag a friend on that post in the comments. You have to like and then share the post and you're entered in the contest. That's all you have to do. Now, optionally, you can like and follow Fine and Danji on Facebook so that you will get more notification right away when the winner is picked. You'll also see future giveaways. Um, we've got a lot more giveaways planned. We, yeah. We've got to come up for a name for our prize box because we... It's have full been, of good stuff. It really is. We've been collecting <laughs> um, different kinds of, let's call it, gadgets or hardware, different kinds of certificates for free services in mm-hmm. town, um, uh, restaurant giveaways. So it's going to be really cool. We've I got mean, a lot we of stuff want planned. something in return, though. You know. Well, of course. Just share us. Yeah, share that's us. all. You know, it'd be really fun, too, is if they did include some of our hashtags that we've mentioned throughout the shows. That'd be fun. Oh, that would be fun. You know, like this month, guys, hashtag get lit or it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to do... Um, hashtag readers or leaders. Oh, that's a good one for this yeah. month too. So, so just for clarity, that's hashtag get literate. But um, the way Angie says it, it, that's what all the kids say now. Get lit. So I thought that yeah. was perfect. Get literate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but so that's the prize, and that's the sort of giveaway. Again, all you have to do is go to the post that we've already done for the Kindle Fire tablet. You're going to tag a friend. You're going to like and share the post, and you are entered into the contest. So we would Easy like for you breezy, to breezy guys. Yeah. We would like for you to like and follow Find a Dangy, but that's not required to... uh, And then we're going to do a drawing on June 29th. 
Oh, June. It's going to be a oh, Saturday. Oh, June 29th. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So June 29th is when we'll do the drawing and we'll, I think we're going to do a Facebook Live it, right? Yep. That, uh, that's in the uh, post as well. But yeah, we'll Facebook Live yeah. the drawing. We'll give you guys reminders too. It'll so. be really quick, um, five, 10 minute thing, but I use a randomizer application so you can see that we're not doing any favoritism. Part of the reason we'll do it on Facebook Live, but I'm excited to do the giveaways for that. Yeah. Hey, and you can share us with more than one friend. That's true. You can. And keep in mind too, As we're spreading awareness of our channel and of our podcast, our ultimate goal is to help the community and to help local charities. So by spreading the word, we're also reaching more people to get involved in the community and perhaps more importantly, to get involved in charities and and helping others. So that's the ultimate goal that we have. And I think that's really what, you know, what we hope to gain out of these things like these giveaways, because truth be told, folks, most of these giveaways like this stuff, we buy these things. Nobody gave us this tablet. So we're really just trying to sort of help to, uh, to put our money where our mouth is, yeah. so to speak, or walk Except the talk. For the certificates and stuff, those are people we've interviewed that have graciously given us of course, yeah. things to, you know, help promote their business. But really with the alternative med stuff, it's to get people to come in to try something a little different that maybe they haven't tried before. So I love that. Yeah, I do too. So stay tuned, guys. Um, we're going to take a short little break. and Well, short for well, them. <laughs> yeah, we're driving to Tampa, so for our next interview. Yep. And... We will let you know who is on when we come back from the break. That's right. So we'll be right back and we'll be driving for an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to pack it up and we will be right back after the break. Thanks, guys. We eat very clean here at our house, but that doesn't mean that we don't crave things like chocolate chip cookies, brownies, muffins, or countless other baked goods. I can say that our cravings have been satisfied with the Paleo Bakery Treats. We get to have healthier versions of our favorite sweet treats that fit into the way we eat. Things like paleo guiltless donuts, organic blueberry cobbler, and almond butter delish cookies help to satisfy our sweet tooths. And here's even more great news. All of these treats are gluten, grain, dairy, and soy free. You can find out more about what The Paleo Bakery has to offer at www.thepaleobakery.com or check them out at Facebook at The Paleo Bakery and on Instagram at The Paleo Bakery Treats. When placing your order, make sure to tell them that you heard about their guilt-free treats from It's All Fine and Dangy. Hey guys, welcome back. It's now time for our community call out. And this month we are continuing our month of literacy. And I have to say, as I know I've said before, as an author and a total book nerd, I am especially jazzed about this month. So speaking of local authors, today's guest is the author of several books, including the children's collection of Gabby and Maddox books, the Lizardville ghost story books for teens, and apparently guys in their 40s, because I'm really enjoying reading that one right now myself. So please welcome Steve Altier. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So Steve, just tell us a little, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I grew up in a small town in central Pennsylvania, um, right in the middle of the state, um, a small town called Lizardville. I told oh, you. Huh? That's right. Yeah. It, it's actually called Mill Hall, Pennsylvania, but we lived on Lizardville Road, and it had a nickname of Lizardville. Oh, that's interesting. So that's I kind mean, of fun, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my parents actually bought the old dam keeper's house. Oh, cool. So the the dam was gone; it was broke yeah. down, and, and uh, there used to be an old axe factory there. 
Okay. Wow. So this is like a recipe already for a perfect story. It really is. An well, old axe factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I never even thought about that. But one day I was talking with an old high school mate and the first thing he said was, how many people can say they grew up in Lizardville? Right. And <laughs> it was like this light bulb came on and I was like, okay, hey, that sounds like a good idea. So that looks like what started um, you becoming an author. Is that kind of what made you want to become one? Like, Just kind of that trigger of, oh, hey, that might make a good story. Like kind of take you, us through that journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious if it was like when you were younger or in reflection back on when you were younger. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer, but oh, cool. that never really happened. Um, I did take some journalism courses in school. Mm-hmm. That was where I was going to, you know, I wanted to be that big newspaper reporter. Oh, oh, so not kind of writer. So, yeah, that more on local events and mm-hmm. stories in, in your community or worldwide, maybe eventually, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that was kind of a dream, but, you know, life happens. Um, I joined the military after high school, mm-hmm. um, went overseas, got married, had kids, and never really got back to writing until probably about seven, eight years ago. Wow. Okay. So, what, so, what sparked it? Was it that friend who said that? No. No? no, it was actually <laughs> over Christmas. Um, my wife's family was in town and I got sick. I was, what my mother-in-law was down here and the father-in-law and everybody was here. So I got sick. I had this high fever running. They were all out doing stuff. I was staying home in bed and I had this vision of these two kids and they had to move at Christmas. Wow. Okay. And it, it relates back to my company. Our company at the time, um, in 2010, they were moving everything up to Ohio. And they told us, you know, we had to move there if we wanted to keep our jobs. Oh, wow. And it really wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Because you know, I, I, I didn't want to move up north. So that was playing on my mind. And this dream with, with the being sick, the kids just in this story were like devastated. They had just written their letters to Santa Claus, and um, they came back, and Dad comes home, and he says, I'm going to have to move. Uh, This The whole family, we're going to have to move at Christmas time, and we're going to be moving up up north to Ohio. And I was like, it just, everything was so vivid in the dream. So that fever really got your creative creativity going, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's crazy how that worked. It's like a blessing in disguise. So... After I started to feel better, I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to write a story. And she's like, oh, okay. Oh, sure you are. You're doing it. She's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) We had been married for for several years, and I I had no real interest in books anymore. I just kind of lost all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And this- Just life kind of- Just kind of sparked everything for me. And I started writing in- I think the one night she came to me and said, who are you talking to on the internet? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm writing. Oh, she that was all your typing. <laughs> yeah. She thought I was chatting with somebody Good online night. or something. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, but you know, several months later, there it was. I mean, my story was down on paper and, and, uh, and how long did it take you to write the first draft? Um, God, I don't really remember. Um, probably about two months. Oh, wow. He just put that right down on the paper, buddy. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> I, I was so inspired. I mean, I wrote every evening. I come home from yeah. my day job and I spent the evening writing. So tell the truth. Do you still write that often? No. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I wish I could, but I, I think I struggle to squeeze it in sometimes. You know, um, 
I recently went to a big writing conference and they told me there you have to allot time for it. Yeah, every day? Um, they prefer it. Um, there's some that, you know, there were several, a lot of New York Times bestselling authors there. They all had a different philosophy. Right. Some work Monday through Friday. Yep. And they give the weekends free because that's family time. Um, okay. When you say work, you mean they're writing Monday through Friday. Well, yeah, they do oh, it full time. I gotcha. Oh, those are full time writers. Yeah. 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 Um, for someone like myself, um, I had the privilege of meeting Helen Hart. She is a big time romance writer. Right. Yep. So when I talked with her after her speech and stuff, she told me, she gave me some ideas of sprinting. And she said, I challenge you to write 5,000 words on Friday or on Saturday and 5,000 on Sunday. I love that. I bet there's apps that do that, that will tell well, you when you've reached your goal. Well, and she told me, you know, what, what she does is called sprinting. Right. So she will sit down and she will write for 20 minutes. She'll set a timer. And she will write for 20 minutes. Just write, write, write. Not, that's not the time write. set aside to think about what you're going to write. That's just do it. Yes. Go for it. Sit down and type. Wow. Um, and then she said she'll take like a 10-minute break and then come back in 20 more minutes. Wow. And, and It's like a little challenge against yourself, you sure. know? So it's you're in competition with yourself almost. Yeah, to me, you'd, almost, you'd have to have some thoughts ironed out pretty good unless you just kind of see what's stuck afterwards. Well, and, and again... You're writing in your first draft. So everything that you do on your first draft doesn't really matter because there's a lot of things that you're going to say, I want to enhance this. And this is garbage. Right. Yeah. So you, so it's just like you have a topic maybe that's been on your <clears throat> mind and she's just saying, go ahead and just start getting the ideas on the paper because you might take those ideas and rearrange them. or. But you're you know, moving. Yeah. You're moving. But mm -hmm. you're getting the words down. That's that's great advice. Because isn't there so many writers that have these drafts sitting around that never became a book oh. or ones that 10 years down the road become a book, right? Absolutely. But they but if they never had put it on paper, wouldn't yeah. it have became anything? So yeah. I think she has a very good point in that. It's giving getting those ideas that are in there, even if a piece of that that you write down goes to another story totally. Yeah. At least it's down. I right? love that. That's the, there's a, there's a saying, and I'm, I know I'm going to butcher it here, but it's something like, um, done is better than perfect because uh, even in every business, yeah. if you're sitting there trying to cross every T and dot every I, you won't get off dead center and it'll take you, you know, years and years to get any movement. So yeah. I love that. I'm sure you got a lot of good sort of feedback and advice from that conference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you mentioned your that quote. Um, Stephen King always had a quote, and I believe it was something like, um, the worst manuscript was the one not written. Oh, that's another yeah. good quote. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Did you get those 5,000 words down each day? No. Oh, <laughs> busted. That's a lot of words in one day, though. I mean, that that, that really is. I mean, uh, even if you just start and then you're at a thousand, you're like, okay, okay, a thousand took me 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, and then kind of you can go from there. At least you have like a starting point to see, okay, how many words can I actually get down in that amount of time? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's so, a pretty hefty goal of 5,000 in, in, yeah. in what'd she say in a day? Yeah. That's inspiring yeah. though. I mean, or, or it's uh, something to aspire to, I guess I should yes. say. Yes. So I'm going to change gears a little bit, but you started talking about how you grew up in Lizardville. No spoilers about the story, of course. And I, full disclosure, I'm only a little ways into the book, but um, I'm curious without ruining anything, can you tell us kind of how you went for, I mean, I guess I'm a little curious about the real Lizardville. I mean, a little more about the town and uh, did you find... 
Were there stories that you heard as a kid about the town that kind of inspired you to inject them into the story? Or is it purely just based on your sort of reimagining? Because I thought I read that you were initially thinking about writing a story about your childhood. Correct. And then you decided to add like a supernatural element to it. That right? is correct. So how how much can you tell us about The Real Lizardville without ruining the story? Well, The Real Lizardville, um, when I was a kid, you know, we used to get up in the mornings and, you know, on the summers, weekends, we would go camping. We we spent a lot of time fishing. There was several of us boys in the, sure. in the area. Um, small town. Right. Not very big. And that's what we did. We We hung out, we camped, we fished, and things like that. There was a motorcycle shop. That wasn't far away, and we would go up there, and actually, when they unpacked the motorcycles, they back in the 70s, they used to come in these big styrofoam crates. Wow. That were six, eight, ten inches thick, and, you know, three or four feet wide. So, we would go up there and actually take those. They'd throw them out back the building. We would take them, and it's we like would like a fort. Up. Yeah, exactly. Well, we would take them out, and we would go to the river. Oh yeah, I was going to say that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> and and we would we would float on those things. Oh, uh-huh. that's so cool. Yeah, you know, sounds and, like what I did like for um, tubing in the snow. We used to take because we were poor. We used to take the tops off of trash cans, yeah. the round ones, mm-hmm. and that was our. Thing that's that, great. So same, you know, as soon as you said and, that, I'm like, no, oh, they went to the river. They fished off those or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a whole Huck Finn vibe kind of thing. Yeah, it was. I mean, so I started writing Lizardville as. It's kind of a, you know, I wanted to write my childhood experiences, what it was like growing up in a small town, the camaraderie with, you know, just a group of young boys and the camping and, and the, some of the stories we shared, you know, because we've had run-ins with bears and porcupines and oh, yeah. things like that. Totally relatable. Ooh, exciting childhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was it was great. But when I started to put it all on the paper, it just seemed boring. Okay. So I went back through and it's like, okay, I've got to add something, you know. And so I started typing all this stuff about. You know, crows and scary stuff and ghosts. And, and there was an old legend of an axe factory murder because there used to be remnants of an axe factory there. Yeah. In fact, on the cover of the original Lizardville ghost story is the 1904, a picture from 1904 um, that we found from the Pennsylvania Historical Society. Of the yeah, Axe Factory. Cool. It's, it's yeah. a picture of the axe factory. And so maybe it's just my sort of. Uh, and then you have some crows on there. So that makes it even scarier. Because yeah, anytime that. you see crows around, you're like, something's not good. Right. Something's not right. Here. And maybe it's because I have a tendency to sort of go a little towards the more macabre side of things when I, you know, when the opportunity uh, presents itself. But as soon as you said Axe Factory, I think before we started recording, I thought, oh, that's definitely like an axe murder thing going on there. <laughs> So that's interesting. So there was a, the actual Axe Factory, and is it still there? Um, no, it's gone. And it's the whole gone. building is gone? Yeah. Wow. Is there a McDonald's in its place? No. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Just or a CVS. It's got to be one of the two, I swear. No, actually, I took my family up there, my wife and I, my my, old, my youngest daughter. Um, she's 19 in college, but right. we went up there last summer. Um, we went on up to Niagara Falls, and then we worked our way back down into Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it, so it's cool residents. to do that, right? It's cool yeah. to just kind of wander around and and see what has changed so much. Has a lot changed there, or is it still kind of that small town feel? It's a small town feel. It's more of a ghost town. Is it? Oh, yeah. so That's another it story. Your your um. So your stories have made that come true, maybe. Uh, no. I don't know. <laughs> so when you say ghost town, you mean like um, businesses and everything's kind of moved away? Yeah, we've had a lot of that up there. Um, this, some of the factories have closed up. Right. But I mean, there's some other 
towns close by that are thriving and things like that. Oh, so wow. there's still stuff going on. It's just that town. It's not the childhood I used to remember. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, do you find a lot of the, do you find a lot of the same families are living in that town or have most most of those that you kind of grew up with have they moved on as well? Cuz a I, lot of times you'll have people that really just don't ever want to relocate and they stay. Yeah. Apopka, I mean, uh, I'm from Apopka, and it's thriving, but still, but it's not as remote, but uh, a lot of families have been there for generations. Yeah, I mean, most of the guys I went to school with are still there. Oh, Oh, wow. Wow. And so, they're raising families in oh, yeah. same same area. And now they they don't they've traded in their um they use kayaks instead of um, <laughs> So I take it back about being they've disappointing. Grew, they've but, also grown up a little bit. So I don't yeah. know if the styrofoam would work yeah, anymore. True. You know, maybe it'd be fun to watch. I'm not, even, <laughs> I'm not even sure they pack much I don't know I was gonna say I, I bet they don't show up like that. I never that knew that. That's pretty interesting. That is. But styrofoam's not good. Anymore for oh, the, the environment. environment. Oh, so, you know, course, we course. don't want to go there. <laughs> and, and, and actually, I mentioned that in the book because when we were kids, when we were done with them, we just let them float. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they just And I, go I away. mentioned that in the story. It's like, okay, you know, the environmentalists would, would probably, you know, like cringe at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sure they would. <laughs> I'm sure they all ended up somewhere. <laughs> all right. So you have a brand new Lizardville title yes. out, and it's Jimmy's Curse. Yes. So is this a continuation from the original Lizardville book? Are you doing a series or is this just a brand new story? This is the second book in the series. um, And it's the final book. Oh. um, I originally wrote Lizardville, the ghost story, as a standalone story. It was never meant to be a series. Hmm. Um, I had a lot of feedback from fans that they kept coming back and saying, you know, what about this? You never touched on that. You never answered this. You they left wanted this those, open. Yeah, oh. they wanted those answered. Um, so I went back and started rethinking some things, come up with a brand new, fresh story, and it's been too long in the making. Um, but it's finally coming out June 11th. It'll be hit the market. So. All right. Oh, fantastic. June so, 11th. So you'll have to tell, we, at the end of the interview here, we'll get all your information, website, mm-hmm. contact info. We'll post it on our website, but it'll also be, if you're listening to this on your device now, uh, the link to all of Steve's information will be in the show notes. You can just scroll down and click on it. Yeah. Easy Great. breezy. Thank you. Right? So what's next, since this is it for Lizardville? Any plans for, you got any ideas in the head? Any notes, you know, Are, little notes on the paper? Already working on another one. All right, oh, perfect. Wow. Any, any ideas? Or? It's a, um, it's called The Ghost Hunter. Okay. And there are a few hints in Lizardville, Jimmy's Curse. Oh, um, nice. There's a character that the boys have to go to the library to do some research. They find a couple books by an author called Gerald Dupickle. That's a great That's a name. Number, you, can't name you can't forget that forget. name ever. Sure. <laughs> so this the ghost hunter kind of goes back predating Lizardville. Um, okay, same cool. town, uh, but Lizardville name is not associated with the book. But it's just going to be the ghost hunter. Gerald Dupickle is a young, smart, intelligent guy who who's sixteen years old and going to college. Oh wow! All right. Um, and he's very awkward and anti. Well, he's not antisocial, but he's not very. He's Socially clumsy, I should say. Right. And he never fits in. So when he gets to college, he he wants to fit in so bad. And he's sitting in the library one night and a group of young boys come in and girls. And they're ghost hunters. That's what Uh they do. And it inspires him to prove to them that science doesn't believe in ghosts. Oh, because he's the smart one of the bunch. Yeah. So (laughs) he needs proof. 
Yep. And this book takes off from there. And oh, I love that it. sounds interesting. It's a great yeah. premise thing. Um, Rachel, um, his daughter would love that book. Oh, yeah. she probably would. But it's great that you're just, you're kind of giving your audience or your readers a little hint to want to know more about this character, it seems like. Yeah. Um, like I said, the first time you hear his name is in, in Lizardville's Jimmy's Curse. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I like. I like that you are completing those unanswered questions from the first book as, as a reader and a fan of stories and an author, but especially as a reader and a fan of stories, it's frustrating to me when there's a lot of things left unanswered. So that's, that's great. That's exciting. So you've got a wide range of audiences with your books between the Gabby and Maddox. And for some reason I keep getting tongue tied when I say Gabby and Maddox, (laughs) but between those and the Lizardville books, you've kind of explained now that the book that you wrote first was the Gabby and Maddox book, the Christmas, Moving on Christmas book, right? Yeah, We Can't Move at Christmas um, was the first story I wrote. Right. And then about a year later, my wife and I were blessed and we were able to go over to Italy for two weeks. Wow. Oh, nice. I took a lot of notes. Um, We came back to the hotel every night exhausted. And I took a lot of notes while I was there. And so she'd get in bed and sleep and I would sit at the computer and type away. Uh, oh, that's awesome! So the, there was a lot of fun facts in there, plus the you know the, the kids in their imagination. It's I used the same premises. The dad comes home, he says, "I have to go to Italy for a couple of weeks to work with some new clients over there, um, but I want the family to go with me. Yeah. You guys have a vacation." Yeah, so that was kind oh, of a series. So that was cool. Kind, yeah, kind it, of. Yeah. Each one's a standalone story. It's kind of like the Magic Treehouse stories. You know, oh, yeah, they yeah, don't. Yeah. They, I totally remember those. Yeah, you know, they're, they're great little stories. Um, I tried to write good, wholesome family stories with good ma- uh, morals and values in yeah. them. And it sounds like you, you've taught the kids something, too, because if you were taking notes over in Italy, you were trying to refer to probably architecture or the yes. history and stuff like that. So they actually learned something from the book. So yeah, that's there's cool. a lot of fun facts about Italy yeah. in there. Yeah, and, that's great. Uh, I, love when, um, I love when kids can actually read a book that seems like it's not teaching them anything, but they actually learned something. Yeah, I think that's important. And and that book actually done very well. Um, even in Europe, it did well. It oh wow! Sold very well in Europe. Oh, that's excellent. And I've had a lot of uh, Italian websites you know, listing the book and stuff like that. So. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Well, that was very smart of you also to think of that while you're on vacation. That's truly an inspired writer to think when you're on vacation, what can I get from this vacation that I can put into a story? Yeah, yeah. Well, when we're on vacation, you write. It's true. So. Yeah. That's, I mean, no, I can relate. Surely that tease I, me because I'm out by the pool with my iPad typing away. Yeah. But I think you're, you're in a different environment. I think spurs creativity right. as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, um, there was yeah. so much stuff over there that just, I was taken back. Yeah. And plus, yeah. even though you were busy, because when you're in some place like that, you want to see everything, right? You want to explore, but you're also relaxed because you don't have those daily life worries sure it, that you would at home you know mm-hmm. so i think that's that's a good place to write yeah really. i agree well as steve here is describing you know the town of lizardville and the interactions with animals in the woods and i'm sitting here thinking of a story myself so that's i, I totally agree <laughs> just different environments kind of kind of make you th- i think as an author they kind of make you think yeah. i know even when i'm driving around sometimes i'll go if I see something or I'll go, I wonder what that, that looked weird when I just passed. And in my head, I start building some scenario that yeah. surely isn't the real scenario. Or but. the name of a road that's weird or, yeah. you know, just things like that. But I do have a question. Um, so you, you mentioned that you went back to Pennsylvania to, with your um, wife and your daughter and went to the old town. Was that 
after all the books were written or before? Because I was wondering if you went back to kind of get some more inspiration before writing the books. That, that's a great question. Um, yes, I did go back for more inspiration because I was cool. in the middle of writing Lizardville, Jimmy's Curse. And I knew that because I follow you on Facebook and I saw your pictures at Niagara Falls. So when you said that, the timing, okay. the okay. timing worked that's out. That's what that's I was great. wondering. Because sometimes things that we remember from when we were younger, you know, we did we remember it right? So being there kind of triggers or sparks something where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. It wasn't like this. It was like this. Okay. So yes. that's cool. That's cool. So so I have a question sort of between the Gabby and Maddox books and the Lizardville books. That's a different That's a different audience group. So what made you kind of want to target two different groups that way? Well, that's a great story. Um, I had just released Blast Off, which was the third book in the Gabby and Maddox story. Right. That's the space, the one in space, right? Yeah, because I'm, I'm a sci-fi junkie. Same. So, um, I had to write a space book. Oh, of course. And, you know, the kids come down to visit. They come back to Florida to visit Grandma and Grandpa. They find out that they, you know, Grandpa is part of this astronaut program. And there's a secret program called the Children's Astronaut Program. Oh, nice. So the kids get to go up into outer space. He sends wow. them up to the International Space Station. They oh, go fun. out on a routine mission. Their spaceship gets lost. They stumble across aliens. Oh, wow. And go to a, they, they meet a little guy, you know, and they, they go to a, a planet called Uba Tuba. Uba oh, Tuba. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Which you sound and, like you had so much fun with these books. It's like, oh my gosh, like writing a story for kids. It just sounds like you had so much fun. Yeah. I, I, I did. And Uba Tuba, when we were out, we, 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 we remodeled our kitchen. Right. And when we were out looking at tower, the uh, countertops, right. my wife had found this black galaxy that she liked. But I was fixed. They kept saying, hey, check this out over here. It's kind of a green tint and black, and it's called Ubatuba. Oh, I like perfect. Oh, that's, I love it. See, that's funny because now there was something that happened around you. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I need this somewhere in my life. That is so <laughs> you, smart to remember these things But you didn't get like it that. in the kitchen, right? No, we didn't use no, that in the see, kitchen. Yeah, Come, yeah you're... You were outvoted on that one. Yeah, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> she wanted black. We went with the That's black what galaxy. You went with. Hey, it's, it's space themed still. How about that? That's yes. right. That's a really cool story. So to, I love that. To get back to answering your question, um, I was over at Barnes and Noble here in one of the local Tampa area. Right. And we were there was an author next to me. He had on his cover uh, a big helmet, swords, things like that. He actually had a medieval helmet on his table next to his oh, books. Oh, wow. And I had a few boys, probably about seven, eight, nine years old, come up to me. They looked at my books and he goes, oh, man, that's childish. Can you write something better? Oh, nice. Oh. Kids. <laughs> Kids you know, are brutal. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> but you they're know. honest, hey. <laughs> you know? So I came home and I was telling my wife, I said, you know, that's, that's it. I, I want to write something a little more challenging. Yeah. Um, and it was the same time frame, probably within a week or two after that, that I was talking with a friend and they said, you know, how many people can say they grew up in Lizardville? Right. And that's when it went off. Like, I'm going to write my childhood story. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. It just, yeah, <laughs> yes, I had to add something off. different because when yep. I was done with it, I was like, this is boring. No one wants to hear about my life. Right. But when you throw in the paranormal aspects, some of the history um, involving around Lizardville, right. it, it really plays it plays pretty well. Well, I'm, I'm going to find out as I go through and finish the book. <clears throat> but I, I would think that the supernatural sort of stuff that you made up combined with those real life things, not just the history, but the things that I guess your history, the things that happened to you guys growing up there, sounds like I'm picturing like Scooby do or something but it sounds really interesting to me yeah. so i'm looking forward to finishing the book yeah. and i'll let you know what i think okay well, I, yeah. I look forward to that actually it and was, write a review 
Oh, of course. <laughs> when, when, when my wife, uh, when she was reading the manuscript, because I always, when I'm done with it, she's the first one. And she's reading it. And every night it was like, did this happen? Did that happen? Was this real? Was that real? Oh, nice. Well, <laughs> see? see, you know what? That's, that's a great sign, though, that because you, you're blending it so well that you don't know. You have to ask. And, you know, you've been married to her for a long time, right? Yeah. So she should have known all the stories. So the fact that she was asking was good. That's because a it's great like, sign. I don't know that one. What's going on? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I, really I cool. love it when an, the way an author writes, just as my personal favorite stuff, I love it when you cannot tell when they've left fact and moved to fiction. It's yeah. just my favorite. It's yeah. one of my favorite stuff. So um, you talked about being at your local Barnes & Noble. Yes. And so you're very active in the local author community. I mean, that's where we first met you. Yes. Down here. Um, and you go to the things like the book fairs and events. Can you give us a little more detail around that and maybe any advice that you might have for new authors or upcoming authors? Um, it's a lot of hard work. Yes. It is it's, that. <laughs> it's grueling and it's time consuming. And I recently was invited to go to a school and speak with a bunch of fourth and fifth graders. Um, and they had a lot of questions in regards to books and writing and things like that. And as I tried to tell them, you know, it's, it's something that you have to be inspired to do. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to tell my stories mm -hmm. and I know it's, you know, a writer does their stuff alone. It's, it's just what we do. We, yeah. we sit in, a, in an empty room by ourselves and usually write. Um, um, J.K. Rowling, she writes in a cafe shop. Um, that's not me, you know. She uh, likes the noise. She likes the hustle behind her. Yeah. And, so. you know, so I, I, I talked with this fourth and fifth grade class, and some of the things that I tried to instill in them is if you want something bad enough, you have to make it happen. It's not just going to happen yourself. So it's a lot of work involved. Um, I'm trying to get out there more on the tours and trying to, um, I, I think I found my niche last year when I went to Sci-Fi Bartow. Um, that was a fun event over here. Can you tell me what that is? Because I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what that is either, so oh, I'm see? curious. Look. So every year in February, the city of Bartow um, closes off their downtown, and they have all kind of vendors come in, and they actually turn the whole town into Sci-Fi. They have a theme. So last year's theme. Now was, I would even like that. Yeah, la last year's theme. <laughs> was, I'm writing this down actually. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, last year's theme was steampunk. Oh, oh I, love I love it too. So everyone was all dressed up in all kind of costumes. We saw. Oh, amazing! I mean, just all kind of characters. I met Spider Man, Ant Man, um, even Marty McFly. Came oh, this back is right up our alley. Oh, this oh, is awesome. We've got to go to this. You know, and it, it was only like sixty dollars for the day to be yeah. there. So yeah. it was it was a great day for for those that. Um, let me rephrase that. For vendors, it was like sixty dollars to be there. Sure. Yes. For um, anybody else, it was free. Yeah. Oh, you just wow. come okay. and have a great time. Yeah. Enjoy the show. They have get some great music pictures, right? The Hanging with the Web Show does live podcast there. Oh, nice! Oh, Very so nice. So there's other podcasts. Well, there. I, I'm all about self uh, um, promoting cross promoting other anyway, yeah. for sure. And sure. just just a little sort of side note for that for a minute, but we talked a little bit about this, but we've talked on the podcast before about we promote other podcasts. I feel like there's enough success and enough um, 
there's no, I don't believe in a lack of success. I don't feel like your success takes away from my success. So I firmly believe in authors cross promoting each other, supporting mm-hmm. each other. Same thing with podcasts, yeah. same thing with everyone. It's a community. Okay, so, so that, but I'm, I'm, I'm super interested in going to that next time. When, what month did you say it was in February? February. They do it normally February every, every year. And it's a one day thing, a weekend thing. Yeah, it's a one day. Oh, it's a one uh, day. It's, well, they have a Friday night program, right? But the vendor and the main event is Saturday. And you say that was like your niche, meaning that you went as a vendor and it was the right kind of audience for the books or? Yeah, Lizardville done extremely well over there. We sold shirts. We've always got the book swag oh, going. Cool. We have the Lizardville yeah. Ghost mm-hmm. Story shirts. Nice. Um, we have, you know, the Lizardville Ghost Story. And now we're going to have the second one coming out this year. So that'll be great. Excellent. Um, so when yeah. you do your shirts, do you do them a little differently than like the book cover? Do you get a little uh, more a little creative bit, yeah. with them? Yeah, actually, yeah, my wife's gonna go get one right now to show you. And oh yeah, that'll be cool. I want I want to get one from you before we. Oh leave. yeah, can oh, we yeah. buy one of those? Before? That would be oh, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, but so I, I really had a great time there. Um, I think the audience was full of energy. Those are right up my alley. They they like the supernatural stuff. I love it. And, and they sound like theme, they're just having fun, and you seem like you have a lot of fun. Yeah. This this <laughs> year's theme for, for 2020 is going to be mis- mythological creatures, <gasps> things like that. Oh, my so, gosh. Like Medusa. Or mermaids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I already have a mermaid costume. Hey, wow. just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm, oh, I'm looking forward I'm to being there again. I'm also, um, we've been looking at expanding out of state. So we're we're looking at uh, the Savannah uh, Comic Con next year. Um, we're looking at wow. the Lakeland Comic Con and yeah. Tampa Comic Con coming up in August. Yeah, because your book is definitely that is your audience. That so, is your audience. Yeah. So I think that would be perfect. Now, so any ideas? So your your new book that your new idea of your book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Tell me the name. It's Gerald. Do pickle? Gerald Do pickle is the main right. character. Okay, um, so but the is, book's called The Ghost Hunter. Is that more um, teen read kind of? Yes. Okay. Same same vein as the other Lizardville. Book. Yes. I, I know it's not a Lizardville book for clarity, but yeah. same same target audience, right? Yeah, it's it's that eight to ten year old group. Okay. You know, and eight, I'd, I'd say eight to ten oh, and I love up. It. Yeah, eight, so, to, eight, to, eight ten to ten and, and up. Yeah, because I will, you know, I haven't started reading this yet, but this was probably my, I like those kind of well, reads. You so know what I mean? My intention was to be for, it's been so crazy busy, but yeah. I've only gotten maybe a couple chapters into it, but I am enjoying it so far. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I made this sort of not really a joke joke about 40 heading to 50 year old <laughs> men enjoying it. <laughs> Because it's not, it's. Uh, I I think I struggle sometimes understanding the that age group reading when I'm reading it and I enjoy it just as much. So it's um yeah, it's an enjoyable read I think for adults too. So is do you have any future intent on writing a book that's geared more for adults? Um, I do have some ideas. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was just a that's a weird question, you know. I mean, that's a good I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about because them a here's lot. the thing: um, you have every like you've got the younger, now you got the, the, te- the, middle. the you know the middle, and maybe some older, and then Get all age groups. Yeah, yeah, maybe a romance novel. I'm just saying. No, no. <laughs> nothing's wrong with romance novels. Just saying. Yeah, but I think there might be enough. Yeah, I think there's enough a, there's to a, choose there's from. There's a lot of competition out there. <laughs> so, it, well, speaking of romance novels, what are your personal favorite genre books to read? Uh, young adult. Yeah. Oh, it is so young adult. He's that's the same as that's me. Angie too. That's so I love great. dystopia type yes. reads. You know, I love the Hunger Games. Um, 
The Maze Runners. The Maze Runner. Oh, I loved The Maze Runner. Why can't I think of the other one that I love? Um, uh, Hunger. Um, uh, oh, it's it's kind of like The Hunger Games. I forget what it's called now. Never mind. Skip it. Um, <laughs> oh no, I got to think of it. It's going to Divergent. Divergent. Oh look, yeah. he's got the axe. Oh, this he, is great stuff. They just brought an axe prop in here for us. That's excellent. I'm, I'm currently reading Sarah J. Moss. She wrote like an eight book series. So um, that's that's heavy fantasy type stuff, then, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love her. I mean, The Throne of Glass was her first novel, right? Um, this is I'm right now. I'm reading the second book called Crown of Midnight. And nice. I, I just I love the the medieval times. I mean, this is about an 18 year old girl. She's an assassin. She is probably the oh, most feared assassin cool. in the in the <laughs> in the land. Oh wow! Um, but there's you know there's secret passageways. There's castles. There's, I love that stuff too. You know, I, my my it's, first it's awesome. real novel ever read in my life. I was in the sixth grade. I picked it up from the book fair in the library. It was The Hobbit. Which of course launched me into Lord of the Rings, which launched me into like the Dragonlance books, which launched me into years and years of reading Robert Heinlein, uh, Douglas Adams, all the you know the big sci-fi stuff. So and uh, sci-fi and fantasy stuff. So I, I can definitely relate. Um, I can't. Well, <laughs> I did not read it. You know what? But my- unless it was assigned to me. And but, then I struggled through that and wanted to kill everybody in my oh, bath. <laughs> I, I love reading. I didn't but, get into it until I was older. Sure. And um, actually downloaded it on an iPad. Right. And read like the Hunger Games series. And I'm like, I love this. Yeah. I love this. Then I found the Divergent series. And I, I that's my niche. That is the kind of reads I like. So you guys are both sort of young adult novel. Fa- uh, yeah. Those are your favorites. I think for me, it's it changes as I go. But probably for the past maybe 10 or 15 years, I don't even know how to categorize it, but like Chuck Palahniuk, Fight Club kind of stuff, um, uh, Before I Go to Sleep, uh, Girl on the Train, whatever that genre is. I guess it's sort of like thriller mystery maybe, but I do like young adult stuff, so I kind of switch around. I like biographies. Yeah. Do you find that you read mostly just young adult these days? Is um, it? No, I like – and you mentioned um, The Girl on a Train. Yeah. I, I read a lot of uh, Ruth Ware Oh, okay, same same vein of stories. Yeah, and they, those are what I like to call psychotic thrillers. That's it, oh, okay. psychological psychotic yeah. thrillers, yes. Yeah, and it always okay. seems to be the same thing. There's a drunk woman who drinks too much. She <laughs> doesn't, doesn't remember. What she, she remembered. <laughs> Why is it always a drunk woman? Okay, let, let, let's get a grip here, people. Okay, the guys can be drunk and forget. We're not as interesting too. when we're drunk. It's not, <laughs> yeah, worth, exactly. it's not worth a book. It's not worth reading. Um, that's that funny. Is so, true. so you're versatile with it, but this is the other sort of. Uh, um, I guess uh, pickle I find myself in when I have time to read, I feel like I should be writing. Do you feel the same or do you make time for both? I make time for both. Oh, good for you. Um, I like to write in the morning. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I like to write in the afternoons if possible. Right. Um, but I like to read at night. So that's like your entertainment yes. in place of where people so are. At 10 o'clock, you yeah. know, my wife likes to go to bed early. Right. You know, she requires more sleep than I do. That's fine. Yeah. And Me too. <laughs> you know, she wants to go <laughs> to bed around match. 10 o'clock. And yeah. 10 o'clock, I sit down over there in my little reading spot, and I read my book. Well, so that's perfect. So you have a designated spot. That's great. Yes. And, and is I'm this not, your chair over here? Yes. I'm not Sheldon Cooper, oh. and, but, but that is my spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Oh, There's Sheldon something to be with that said, spot. though. There's something to be said for like a comfort zone, I think, for reading and for writing. So, will you get oh, yeah. in your little groove and it just works better? You can focus better. I, so I'm totally with you on that. For so sure. I can already tell you, you are a, uh, you like the physical book like I do. 
Yes. I mean, I do read, like, when we go to the beach or something, I don't like to take the book because I get oil all over it and stuff like that. Unless it's something I've had for a long time and it's very worn out. Sure. But, so then I like my Kindle. Yeah. Um, It used to be the iPad in in bed at night. I'm guilty of that. But that's a little too bright. But but I like a physical book. I do. I like... I still do. I don't know yeah. what it is. I just you know, want I do it. Too, I, but I, I hate to say this as an author too, because I make such a small amount of money on ebook versus print, but I prefer ebooks. I, if it's on like a black and white device, like a, the old school Nooks or Kindles, I don't know why. I think because... You're very techie though. So I think well, that true. just kind of goes along with But it. also I can have all my books with me. So if I go on a trip or something and I change my mind in mid book, or I, I don't know, I feel... It's an OCD thing maybe, but I like that I, if I switch gears and I'm in the middle of a crown of midnight and I want to switch over to Lizardville, I don't have to bring a bag of books with me. So there's something to be said for that too. Though I do still love going to bookstores. I love the smell of books and the vibe of a bookstore. I just bring my ebook reader in there. So do you guys still have the Barnes and Noble down here? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty of them in the area. Yeah. Yes. Cause we've had a, we still have the Barnes and Noble, but um, we've had like the books a million closed yeah. and. And I feel like there was such a niche that they could have downsized a little bit and made it into this really cool kind of coffee shop. Yeah. Well, know, there's there's a resurgence re, in print you know, right little, now. Little yes. nooks you could go in and hide in to sure. do your reading. I just feel like they could have. Oh, well, Barnes and Noble, a, a, a lot of Barnes and Nobles are still like that. There's a bunch of little, like there's uh, the one in Altamont where we live is, um, there's like a little section for kids, but there's all these little spots where you can sit. There's a cafe and a coffee shop. And as I was just saying, uh, print books are sort of on the rise and ebooks yeah. are uh, either flatlining or declining in sales a bit right now. So it's almost like the trend of reading digitally is, is passing for most avid readers. And well, if you if you look at the generation now, though, there's a lot of the things that retro. are co- retro that yeah. are coming back and books are considered retro to them yeah. you know yes. so to that to that age group so that is coming back like vinyl records are coming sure. back there's all these really cool things that we got to experience that now this generation is experiencing so yeah. i think that's pretty cool so that's good for you guys right absolutely <laughs> yeah definitely and seeing steve's stack of books here makes me think maybe my next read will be in paper just to just to throw it back see how that goes so your youngest is in college yeah she's uh she'll be a sophomore now yeah, she graduated. Okay. It was the first year, and she just finished her first year. So, when they were younger, did you force them to read or encourage them to read? Like, what were the rules around the house outside of school? Well, unfortunately, I never really had a chance to. I was divorced at the time, so mm-hmm. a lot of my kids, they're older. Um, I didn't. I had them on the weekends, so I didn't get a lot of time with them. So, time was valued then, <clears throat> yeah. and it was fun time. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was more fun time. My youngest daughter, who is 19, just she's an avid reader. She's a writer. Um, oh, cool. She's fantastic. Um, she's written, she just completed her first manuscript, and I, awesome. I find it awesome. It's it's right in that mythological realm. Oh, that's excellent. Very is cool. she publishing? She is holding off. Oh, she is. Okay. What, yes. what's, ca- what's causing her to do that? Um, she doesn't want anyone to like she doesn't want an editor looking at her stuff and trying to dissect it yeah okay okay that's, that's so, getting started that's, that's understandable yeah. for sure and 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 it goes back to um i believe his name yeah it was michael Crichton. And, one of my absolute favorites of all time yeah and i remember an interview that he done on tv and they asked him about jurassic park yep. and you know it was a second or third book 
or he had written two books and it was like the second or third movie. They asked him, you know, what do you think about what they've done to your story? Mm-hmm. And he goes, why should I care? I got my money. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to tell that to my daughter and I try to let her know, listen, your book is different than a movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's your story. Yeah. And, you know, like when I work with my editor, I mean, it's, it's a three month process. Usually, Same. You know, and, um, they make suggestions, but they, my editor reminds me it is my story. Yeah. I think, and it's important to find an editor that you, you sync up with, you know, the synergy yes. is good. Yes, you know, they're not that. just there to just, you know, run through your story. They want to feel some kind of connection to the story when they read it. Yes. You know, and they want to talk to you about the story as a story, not just as another project. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think that that's important. But what, I mean, that's exciting that she's kind of following. It really is. Footsteps. Well, I asked because I wanted to, I wanted to read it or plug it, but um, you'll have to keep us posted on that if she ends up deciding to get get it published. Yeah, and and I I don't even want to mention the title that she's I, chosen. I, I totally understand. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't know if where she's going with that. Of course. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. That's exciting. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Keep encouraging her. You know, <laughs> it sounds awesome. It really does. So our whole theme is literacy. And with this podcast, what we really started it for was to get more involved in the community, like to get us just involved, you know, stepping outside of our comfort zone and get involved with charities, you know, local events, supporting local businesses, authors, just people, basically helping other people. So we always like to ask, are there any organizations or charities or events that you specifically like to be involved in or look forward to participating in once a year regularly? Or even just mention uh, to get the word out. Well, there's a um, there's there's two things I like to do. One, I'm, I'm an avid pet lover, so um, my wife and I both love cats. We've, we we like have to do a few around cats. here. You may have heard them if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we do um, rescue cats, and so we're strong in advocates for you know helping animals. I love mean, it. Yeah, know, that's me something too. we really like to do, and, and we work with the SPCA and stuff and donate to them. Oh, cool! I just recently found out about a program called the Kids Place. Okay. And it's for abused children. And there's one here, it's only a few miles from my house. And I'm working with them. They just got about 25, 30 copies of my books that we got over to them that we donated. Um, and that's something that I, I wanted to, to do. Um, and the woman that I, one of the ladies that I work with, um, she used to be the owner of the company. She actually paid for them. Oh. For the books to be there. So. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and we're also throwing a big bill. She's paying, footing the bill for that, but I'm going to be there to help with that. Um, we're going to have a big picnic for the kids and stuff. Oh, that's but, great. That's you know, great. They've got about 60 kids. They've got five homes. They have foster parents there that live on the premises. That's what they I was work ask. with these kids. Wow. Um, and they go to regular public schools and then they come home and have a real family life. So, oh, that oh, this is, is great. It's, it's great. Um, it's a program that I've just recently found out about. So I'm really excited about getting more involved with that group. Yes. So maybe we could get some information following the show from you so we can put a link to that and figure out how we and others might be able to donate um, just even funds to help with them. Yeah, this. and I, and I believe it's 100%. They operate off donations only, I believe. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's the kind of stuff we want to get more involved in and bring more attention to because – uh, what we have found is a lot of these people that are helping like that in in their community, they don't do a lot of advertising and stuff because yeah, they're no. so focused on just helping, d- helping to improve the life and give give people hope and yep. and and just help 
that they don't, there's not marketing or anything for and that. There's a lack of resources for that sometimes. There, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. where I feel like we can definitely And this is help. where word of mouth comes in yeah. and, and really getting people. Um, at the end of our show, we always try to leave a little, um, a little encouragement for people of how are they going to make a change today? What, what is it you're going to do today to make a change? Yeah. It can be the simplest thing. It doesn't have it to doesn't be. It doesn't have to be the simplest yeah. thing, though. But That's, it doesn't. If you right. want it, if you want it to be big, make it big. But just do something. Let's right. just do something to make some kind of positive impact on on somebody else's life. So this is great. We that love is, hearing that yeah. you're doing that. So we'll we'll definitely put a link in there for that. Yeah. That's called the the kids place, and yes. uh, well, there should be a link in the show notes if you're listening or at findandangie.com. I'm I'm always fascinated with the process that authors go through when they write. How. Some write it down on like a bar napkin ideas they have. Some map out these ridiculous charts, which is kind of what I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some do it strictly out of their brain. Um, I, if you look at like uh, the Harry Potter series, is always fascinating to me because J.K. Rowling drew what to me looks like a handmade Excel spreadsheet for the series of Harry Potter books and the years and the events. What is your process for putting a story together? You mentioned how when you're traveling, you remember names or write them down and you're and you showed us before we started recording your little black book that you keep notes in. But mm-hmm. what's the process of sort of building a story and then converting that process into print? I, I recently went to a big writing conference out in Dallas, Texas called InkersCon. And right. there was a just a lot of great Authors out there, you know, lot, all New York Times bestsellers, USA Today bestsellers. And it was hosted by Alessandra Torre, and she's a six-time New York bestselling author. Oh, amazing. And I was fascinated with every different author has a different style, a different method. And yes, that's what's fascinating to me about it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I realized there, and, and the first time I'd ever heard it was a pantser. And I'm like, what is a pantser? So it's <laughs> it's an author who basically flies by the seat of his pants, you know? And that's me. Uh-huh. So now I I come up with an idea sometimes and I, I carry my notebook around and I have another a larger notebook that I keep my ideas in. And usually it's something will spark something in, in me. And I'll start to write out, like just take some notes. I, I wanna write, you know, I, I know how I want the story to begin. And I have a middle to it, someplace like a climax point, and then I then there's a downfall side to it, and then there's another that I know how I want it to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things in the middle come to me as I'm writing, right? Um, and that's the pantser part of me is I, I just it like when I was writing the very first Lizardville ghost story. Um, there's a scene in there where the kids go to a store. And something happens in the store and, and I throw in some good fam- moral family values in there. You know, the kid kind of ducks into the back office to be hidden out of sight and there's all this money on the table. Mm. And does he take it? Right. Or does he, and he remembers yeah. what dad always told him, you know, you don't take things, you don't take things that aren't yours. So, yeah. um, and then the, he leaves it alone. He comes back out into the store and, and then the owner of the store comes back in. He went out to pump some gas. And he comes back in. He goes, you know, where were you a minute ago? And he looks and, he's, and the boy's thinking, like, my dad told me you never lie. Yeah. Right. So, so I, another another so, valuable So another lesson. valuable thing. But so the kid tells him, you know, the, listen, I've been sitting right here reading stories the whole time. You know, I'm reading this comic book. And, mm-hmm. and so he lied. But, you know, he didn't want to get. In, in trouble for being in the back. But that whole part came to me when I was writing one morning. I never even thought about that to add it into a book. It's just like, just, just it all happened 
Yeah. I, I was inspired the morning, that morning that I was writing, that whole scene just came to me. And that's, a, that's the way a lot of stuff does for me. It works for me. I don't know why. That's great though. I mean, if it works for you, then you're, you're able to tap into that creative part of your brain that's sort of like an autopilot that you can depend on to get you from. Cause it sounds like you, you know that you're going from A to B. But the road to get there is where you do that pantser thing. Yes. And I mean, sometimes I'll have like five or six or seven or 10 ideas that I want to put into a book. Right. Um, and there's other things that end up in the book that were never intended to be there. Yeah. You know, and it was just like uh, in, in the first book, we'll, we would go over and take the rafts, you know, the, the styrofoam pieces and float down the river. That I incorporated in. That was never really. Yeah. You know, I had a note that yeah, maybe maybe we should have a rafting trip. Right. Um, there was two or three other items that, and I don't want to give anything away about Jimmy's curse, but I, I wanted to write a story about like the gatekeeper, a gatekeeper who who monitored a cemetery. Oh, oh. wow, that's pretty spooky. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it was kind of like an idea, and I had, I had a lot of notes written about this. And when I was writing Jimmy's curse, I was like, you know, maybe I could just put that into this story somehow, and and do the final yeah. scenes and stuff in in a, in a cemetery. Yeah. And and so sometimes two or three different book ideas mesh together to become one final product. That's why it's important to get those notes down written down. It's well, written yeah, down. Everywhere yeah. I go, I, I I try to carry this little black notebook. I found it there at Walmart. They're like a dollar and a half, you know, and hopefully and you're filling a lot of them up, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I this one here is like I just recently had to put a new tablet in it, so that's that's a good good thing for yeah. me. Well, and like when I'm writing, sometimes I don't even know where my story's going. Yeah. You know, one minute you think you're going, you know, you're going to go down this certain alley, and the next thing you know, you're not. Right. Yeah. Um, you've gone 180 degrees in the opposite direction. But I think f- that makes it very interesting for readers, because there's no way a reader can tell what's going to happen if the writer didn't know what was going to happen when they were writing Yeah, it. that's a good point. Well, and, and the only advice I can give to anybody, you know, write your story. Yes. Because, you know, when the editing process starts, when, when I turn my work over to an editor, like... Let me back up just a minute. When I'm done, mm-hmm. I've written my manuscript. I'm done. I'm happy. Um, I take the time to do it chapter by chapter. I will look at it. I will um, study it, read it, rewrite it. I print it. Mm-hmm. And then I reread it in print because it looks different on paper. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely does. Um, and then when I'm done with, and happy with that chapter, I print them off. I give them to my wife. Um, and who's, then who's I, your first editor, yeah, right? <laughs> she's the first line of editing for me. She, I know she'll that come job. back. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah, comes back with ideas, things I never thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you finally get everything done the way you're really happy with it and you send it off to your professional editor, um, that's when it gets, it's, it gets real serious. You know, when they come back and, and you get that first analysis, they do a chapter by chapter breakdown and they sit and they tell you, you know, I like this. I like that. That was great. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe you loved that thing, and they're yeah. like, "No, <laughs> you know." Or can you tell me more about this? You you had to be going here. And there's a scene that happens in in Lizardville, the ghost story in the first book. That they're like, you know, you need to elaborate a lot more on that. You really had me going there. Yeah. I need more detail. Yes. I need you to. We really got to milk this this scene. Yes. Um. So I had to go back and come up with a lot more content. Sounds like a good editor. Um. But yeah, that and that's what they do. That's what they get paid for. Yeah. So, like you know. Together, you know, I work with Sylvia Curry, and I've, this is the second book we've done together. Actually, the third book we've done together, um, and I, I'm, she's fantastic, and I love her to death because she takes my work, and like to me, what is crap, 
you know, and turns it into something great. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a compliment. Well, and, yeah. Okay. Now you say that, and I think all authors do that to themselves. They're like, eh, just, it could be better. You know what I mean? I know and, I do. And that's what editors are for. Yeah. They're polishing your great story. I mean, your story's great, right? So they're just polishing up and, and adding more of maybe what a reader would want. Yes, you know? true. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with what I've written. I mean, they're not crap, but... But you always go back and see how you could do things better, right? Oh, absolutely. Authors are like the worst critics. So you shouldn't even go back and read your book. I decided. That's like, why when the you next said... next book, when you're you not... S- he's not allowed... Dan, you're not allowed to read the next <laughs> book that you write because well, I'm like, it's great. What are you saying? That it well, needs to be... Crit- and so I... And be so mean I, to yourself. <laughs> but you know what? When it's done, I feel super confident in it, almost maybe overly confident in mm-hmm. it. Um but I am that when you mentioned the process of like printing it, I could never do that because re- reading the print, I would be scratching all over it with a pen and then I'd have to go <laughs> back again. And then I don't think I would ever be because even now when I read either one of my novels, I'm, the second one, not as much because I think we all get better at our art the more mm-hmm. we do it. But even that one, even though I'm um, not as much as the first one. I, I still read a chapter and go, or a paragraph and go, I could have worded that better if I would have said yeah. it this way. And, you know, that kind of thing. I'm always doing that. But what's funny is I never do that to other authors. I never read an author's book, another author's book and go, they well, they should have wrote this different. I'm just absorbing the story. I'm not analyzing yeah. the art. Yeah. But your so. own is different. I mean, it's like any artist, I think. Yeah. You know, the, a painter or... Um, a musician. I think you're always critiquing yourself. It could be. Well, it sounds like cr- you've got a good process, though. Um, it's been seven years in the works, and yes, I, th- I think we finally got it. I'm very happy with the new publishing company we're working with. Um, there are the the everything's fantastic. Yeah, the um, artwork is um really good. Did you see you it? Know, yeah. Um, the quality look at of the, the quality book. Is oh amazing. yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah. look at the hard copy. I want you to get the hard copy. I know copy. that's so I love great. It. I do too. <laughs> but. Um, one one thing I do want to mention about Lizardville, the ghost story, one of the best days of my life, um, I entered a contest on Story Monsters, Inc. Okay. It's a magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. And they do a Purple Dragon Book Awards. Right. And it's for young adult and children's books. So I had entered this contest. Where'd you find this? Online or something? Yeah. I stumbled across it online. So I think Jamie Ingle, actually, she's a writer from Melbourne, Florida. Right. And um, I've worked with her in the past yep. a few times. I know Jamie. Yep. Yeah. And she's great. Um, but she had mentioned it and I looked into it and I entered this book contest. And I got a notification several months later and they said, you know, congratulations, you're one of the winners. Oh, that's oh, wow. amazing. So I clicked on the link to look and, you know, I... I, I started at the bottom. You know, I scrolled right from number one. I scrolled right down to the bottom. Like, okay, honorable mention, honorable mention. I'm not here. Right. I looked at number three, and I'm like, where am I? And I, I looked this at number going. two, yeah. and then I looked back. I'm like, I won. Wow. <laughs> you started all the way so, at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, and I, I scrolled right past my name. I, I had won first place, young wow. adult fiction book for them for the year. Wow. Um, and what I really found fascinating about that contest and what what I really liked about it um, – there's a, a group of adults. The adults scan the books. They read them to make sure that they're quality stories. They make sure that they meet, you know, industry standards mm-hmm. and the whole nine yards. And then they pick like the top 10 or 12 books that they like and they give them to the kids. I love it. I do too. Cause that, there is no That's better critic. That's the real critic, audience right, right there. There is no so, better critic than a kid. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether it's 12 kids, 20 kids or whatever, yeah. but they have a, a cast of kids and they pass all the books to the kids and the kids vote. So the kids voted on Lizardville the Goat Story 
as their number one story. Um, and I, I was taken back. Yeah, I, I came because out. that's that's your audience. I, I came you know? out here, you know, that day. Were you crying? Yes, I was. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I come out. My wife's looking at me like, "What? What? what are, you, are you okay?" I'm like, "I won first place." He he Aww. had his moment in there, and he he couldn't hide it. You oh, know, I love it. Oh, that is amazing. Well, that's story. a great story. Well, congratulations. For us to end on. That's yeah. great. That that's is great. fantastic. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Steve. What oh, a great what a great interview. Really, it was a pleasure. Lots and, of well, inform- lots of great information for people that maybe want to become an author. Yes. I mean, just and just knowing what other authors' processes are and the success that you can have if you just keep at it, really. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us where we can find you, where people can find you on website, Amazon? We'll also put the links in the show description, but just uh, Amazon, your own website, things of that nature. I have my own website. It's yep. uh, www.stevealtier.com. Um, we have all the books are available for sale there. If you want to, you know, order a personalized copy, you can sign up for my newsletter. We do a lot of, I do a monthly newsletter now that goes out every, the first day of every month. I'm also have an Amazon page, the Facebook page, Twitter, um, Instagram. I'm on all of them. All the links are on my website. Excellent. Goodreads, you're on that as well, I know. All right. And once again, June 11th, Lizardville, Jimmy's Curse comes out. Right. It's official, right? Did I say it right? Yes. Yes. June 11th? Yes. Okay. I got it right. <laughs> I have a memory. That's great. All right, Steve. Thank <laughs> well, you thank so you much. Thank you so much, Steve. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Same here. It has. Thank you. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Thank you so much to Steve again for a great interview with Indeed. lots of great information. It was that so was, fun. It was so fun. He's a trip. He, he is a fun guy. He is a fun guy. He really is. That was that was worth the trip to Tampa. It was. Yes, know? it was really fun. He and his wife Tony are great. Oh, gosh. So we and what you and guys they don't have four know four cats that are amazing. They do. And what you guys <laughs> don't know is that we so we were there for an hour long interview and we were there for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just chit chat and it was yeah, great. Yeah, they were they were great. great. So it's time. Everybody knows they want to hear it for the information station. Yeah, I'm going to learn how to I say it my like words. That. I sing my words. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to put an effect on that. So it's like echoey. <laughs> literally goes with our theme of the month, Ooh. by the way. So we have some interesting and some strange facts today about how reading actually affects the brain. Because, you know, we got to have some science, some kind of health-minded stuff around it, you know. Of course. And the idea behind, again, behind the information station is to provide value to those of you that are listening. And, um, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff, but to be able to find links to it or actual information to it is super helpful because if this particular topic interests you, then to me, this is digestible information that you can actually do something with. Yeah. And it's also something, it's nice sometimes to just go somewhere where somebody else has kind of done the research and just go, ding, and it takes you right to it. I agree. You know? I love that. That's we, why I put links in the show notes for all this stuff. Because um, we don't always just, we actually do a little research on this. We don't just click on the very first thing that we see. Oh, yes. We're, I like to find stuff that has more evidence-based stuff because of being in school. Of course. So that things that have had studies and stuff like that. I so, love that. And I you like that. very science-based stuff. So I do. And I'm a research nut. I know we've mentioned before, but I, I, um, I'm one of these people that's probably annoying on Facebook because when I see the post about something that is totally <laughs> not true. You are I, totally annoying. <laughs> I know. I, and then I have to post a link like, actually, because 
I don't know. I just, I feel like... Um, you misin- want people to have the facts. You yeah. know what I feel like? I feel like misinformation makes us all collectively a little less uh, intelligent, honestly. Okay. Okay. I yeah. feel like the spreading of misinformation, which we've all done, myself included, years mm-hmm. past... Mm-hmm we get further away from understanding things the way that we really should. And it's so easy now to do that. So anyway, I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little more about these sort of strange, strange facts as it relates to your brain and interesting, not all of them are strange, but have you ever felt so connected to a story when you're reading that you almost feel like you've experienced it yourself in real life? I actually have. Me too. Especially if it's a good book. Well, what's interesting about this is that when we read the brain doesn't really make a distinction between reading and the experience having actually happened or that you may have actually lived it. Um, Whether you're reading or you've actually experienced it yourself, the same neurological regions of your brain are stimulated, which is, that's pretty crazy to me. That's very cool. It is cool, isn't it? It, It's almost like... um, It's maybe why people kind of get addicted to reading almost like you're in another world you're yeah it's like an adventure or a journey every time you read a book and that's kind of what they they say about it i know i agree and and maybe that's not my speed but i know it's probably the most popular reading like romance novels and stuff but if you consider fiction that, books are are the highest well fiction yeah. but what type of fiction so romance oh, yeah. novels are are more popular than any of them and although that's not necessarily th- those aren't the books i read you know me i'm not much mm-hmm. of a romance guy but if the hey don't let him fool you that's oh, whatever <laughs> but the um the, but the brain you know if your brain kind of blurs the line between whether you've experienced or not it would also explain why those are so popular yeah, um yeah so anyway i thought that was super interesting uh, also interesting to me is that the more that you read the more that your brain is able to adapt to what's sort of referred to as like the beginning, middle, and end story structure. And what's interesting about this is doing learning to sort of instill in your brain how story structure works, it actually um, embeds into your brain the ability to expand your attention span or oh. your attention capacity when someone is telling you a story throughout life. Be great for kids. Well, that's exactly what's neat is because the when, when neuroscience has done studies on this, and this is why it's so important for parents to encourage their kids to read as much as possible when your brain is sort of in those formative years and your brain has more what's referred to as plasticity, where things are starting to become a little more hardwired. Now we've learned recently in science that it's never fully hardwired. You can reroute the, your brain and neuroscience of scientists have learned things like plasticity. Yeah. that. Well, they've learned like if you used to be like, if you were in an injury and you, a certain part of your brain was removed, even from like a car accident or something, they used to think, well, we know this section of the brain controls this section of the body. So you're tough luck. You're never going to move that hand again. But what they've learned since then is that through practice, practice and sort of like physical therapy, but for your brain, you can rewire another section of your brain to take over and move that hand. So similarly, you can do that with reading, but it's a lot easier in the formative years when your brain is is sort of developing those neural pathways, those initial roadways that kind of tell it what does what. It's making a map basically. And and it remembers, it's like, it's like uh, Google maps. It remembers when you um, click home, Yep. It remembers that that's where you're going to go. That's exactly kind right. Of the same so way. so in that same sort of way the 
the more that you can encourage your kids to read when they're younger, the more those pathways are developing about sort of beginning, middle, and end story structure. And it's not just for reading stories, but beginning, middle, and end story structure is the, that's the fundamental thing of anything you ever hear about anything that really happens in life. Yeah. That, that where you're reading history books, all of that. So I found that interesting that- And this um, is physical reading. This is not like listening to an audible book. This is the act of reading. It, it is the mm-hmm. act of reading, but believe it or not, um, some of the other research I did, which I didn't really put in the show for today, was that listening to audible books has- very similar effects on oh, your really? brain as reading itself. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, well, maybe yes, because like we're going to talk about reading to others. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah, that's um, that. It really does. And what's interesting about hearing someone else read is this is whether you're reading or hearing it yourself. I didn't put this in the show either, but your brain automatically creates a picture image of the thing that you're either being read to or that yeah. you're reading yourself. And and when they've so it's done definitely firing up. It really does. And when researchers have done tests on this, where they've tested things like you already know what an umbrella with yellow dots, a pink umbrella with yellow dots looks like. Mm-hmm. So if I pulled up two pictures, one in each hand and said, fast as you can, which one is the umbrella with purple with yellow dots or pink with yellow dots? You can pick it pretty quickly, but if you read about it beforehand, you can pick it even quicker when they got to that card because it's almost like your brain pre-built the picture in its head and it's already seen it, so it's easier oh, and faster to pick. So yeah. very um, cool, very cool. I don't know if that was a good analogy, but it was an interesting yeah. uh, read. That great information for parents, though. To it really kind of is. Know that that how it can help. Probably we talked. You talked about figuring out the you know beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. That's a problem-solving technique for the world, too. Yeah, oh, kind absolutely. Of, you know, um, well, if this happens, that possibly this is going to happen, and then this was the outcome. That could even go into problem-solving. So, yeah, oh, that's true. That's true. You know, if you apply so, it kind of like that. So you're expanding the capacity of your attention span. You're increasing your problem-solving skills. And really, that helps everyone with every job that you ever have. Yeah. Um, and so one last little point is reading changes your brain structure actually, for the better. And this is kind of something for adults that have a low reading level or struggle with reading. Um, Poor readers at any age, really, can be, unless you've got like some sort of neurological issue, but um, poor readers can be trained to become better readers at any time in life. And in this training, they've found your brains actually change. In a six-month daily reading program from Carnegie Mellon, where they did this study, scientists discovered that the volume of white matter in the language area of your brain increases. Yeah, So cool. So there's there's huge value in, in learning to read better at any given age. Um, and it doesn't so matter where you start. It you really know? doesn't. And it doesn't matter what you read. And, pe- you know, somebody who, who can't read very well is probably very um, self-conscious about that. Yeah. But there's programs out there that are made just for helping people that want to improve right. in this area. And so there's and I, no need to be self-conscious I, about I, it. There's people wanting to help you with this. So, And I don't want to say you shouldn't be self-conscious, even though you shouldn't, because I know it's probably hard not to be, and we all we all get sort of self-conscious of the things that we're not so good at. But um, I agree with you. You can't control what happened in your, you know, usually that starts in childhood. And you can't control and that. And you can't control that. Right. But if you're an adult, you can do something about it now. Right. So... You know, take the steps. Yes, that's what I indeed. say. It's only going to make you better. Agreed. Right. Yeah. So I kind of I did a little research too, and mine was kind of along those same lines. Sure. But the cognitive cognitive functions, right? 
but I actually read that reading novels in particular, yep, um, it was linked to engaging multiple areas of the brain, kind of like you talked about, right. and it improved the connection be- connections between those areas. So the yeah. same kind of pathways, sure. Um, and of course, certain areas of the brain um, were you know, lit up or changed when novels were read. Yeah. So there was a study done with 21 undergraduates. Right. Um, MRIs were actually taken of their brains right. in the morning before they read the novel, and they were assigned to read this novel at night before bed for nine days in a row. And oh, wow. then they did MRIs the next morning yep. after they read. And what it found was um, that they actually had heightened connectivity in specific areas of the brain. Yep. Um, three, three or four in particular. And the first one was the language and comprehension area of the brain. Oh, wow. Right? Of course. So that was um, affected. Sensation and movement was a- affected, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I would have never thought that. Um, and... Another area that I thought was really cool was the area that's responsible for theory of mind and also for the ability to be more compassionate or have more empathy for others was affected. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So it was really, you know, it really showed that reading novels in particularly enables you to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Um. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure that would be the same for like a biography reading about somebody or, you know, you're really putting yourself in that person's shoes. Yeah, probably more so, I would yeah, think, with a biography. With a biography. Yeah. But I mean, this study was done on novels. That's so, great. You know, um, in particularly fiction. It was a, like a thriller book that, that they were That's reading. Exciting. So, you know, my favorites. But you, yeah. know what that, you know what that makes me want to do? Maybe for the next episode this month, I would like to look into where reading originated oh yeah that's we'll so, do a little history lesson yeah, maybe because next it's one. it's so good mm-hmm. for your brain and it just makes me and nerd, maybe what it, civilizations were more advanced because right. they created reading and writing or yeah it makes you know. me wonder because it almost seems like the egyptians definitely yeah with the hieroglyphics and and my, um, i know mayans were big mayans. into documenting a lot of yeah, stuff but I, yeah. I i don't want to jump out of it because i could be so far away from yeah. what we'll, really we'll save that for some more research <laughs> yeah for sure but it does make me wonder um with it being so good for your brain at every mm-hmm. age and and it being sort of a man made thing how did we get the sort of development of our biology connected to something we invented that's interesting to me so well, we can even go into, because we're in talking about how, the science behind how many areas of the brain start kind of lighting up when you're reading, yep. that could have been the increase of our brain's development. Oh, that's true. Right? Starting to practice that. But I thought with this especially goes along with what we're talking about every month is giving back, helping more people. Reading can actually help you have empathy for people. Yeah. So it may motivate you to make a real impact on on those in your community others around you yeah you know and just hashtag help more people right that's awesome you know what though <laughs> that 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 to me is probably the biggest value of reading yeah you think about it because that you could you could conceivably and scientifically then connect that reading is actually a pathway to be helping your community and your <laughs> which so, i never would have thought of before so we're talking about kids you know and and um <clears throat> Starting young with them on on learning how to have sympathy and compassion for others, yep. you know, why not pick up a book, you know, like 
like the books that um Steve wrote for kids. Yeah. You know, the the younger kids age. Of course. That really, you know, they focus on like a little bit of a struggle that the kids are having. At a kid, his first at a, one. At a right? kid level. Yeah. His, at that, a kid level. Yeah. I think the first book is about moving on Christmas. Yeah. And, yeah. So something all kids could be, be terrified be of. Be terrified right. of. And it kind of helps just put them in somebody else's shoes yeah. because that's what reading does. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. That's great. So um, start them young at maybe picking out books that teach a valuable lesson, which yep. is something else Steve does in his books. Yeah. He tries to teach a moral or a valuable moral value. Yep. lesson that they can, you know, apply to their life. So yep. he does that in the teen level books yeah. too, which is very cool. Yeah. Which I love. So, you know, all this talk about this really has me wanting to commit to read daily. I mean, honestly, from from the conversation with Steve to now, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking about it. So I'm going to try to make a commitment. I, I get in the bed at night, especially after a 10 or 12 hour workday. And I have a tendency to do what I just said, go through social media or play a game or do a YouTube mm-hmm. wormhole. So I am going to try to make a consorted Well, we effort. used to do that. To read, I know. You know, we used to sit in bed and we'd work out. Well, we, at, at night, you yep. know, now we kind of just lay there and drift, and drift off. But we would try to come into bed a little early and then... Read. Read. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to charge both of our Kindles up. So are you going to read for pleasure or for brain power? I guess they both give you brain they power, both so give I don't you say brain. that. But I, what, I am, what am, are you going to lead I am going to read novels or biographies because that okay. is my favorite. Thriller, that's what I write, and that's okay. what my favorites are. I'm going to read probably that kind of thing. Um, I miss reading, and I and I think I'm guilty because I'm a writer of anytime I have to read, I would, I'm like, well, I you, should be writing. You talked about that in the interview, yeah. I, I know, but Steve got me thinking, he does both. He commits yeah. to do both uh, more often than I do either, and yeah. um, I know we all have a lot going on, but I'm going to try to make a committed effort to, to read daily, and following my upcoming book signing, I am going to then commit to write daily as well. Um, okay. So, but especially I mean, even the reading. if it's an hour of each a day, yeah, hour in the morning, hour at night. Yeah. I mean, when we break it down like that, it doesn't seem like it. It, it seems doable. It really right? does. And even I'm mean, even if it's a half hour, I'm going to try for an hour. But uh, anyway, on that note, okay, I'm I, not going to commit to the reading anything for pleasure because I do have my yeah, my final. Stuff, yeah. So I. But I already told you I have two hours dedicated every day to reading and yeah. research and, and getting that in order. So if you're doing any of that in the evening, then I will dedicate that time for me to do the you know, my own just reading for fun or whatever. And I read a lot every day, but it's more in bite-sized chunks about technology or what's going on in yeah. the world or um, whatever. So I want to just sit down and start reading You're going a above and beyond that even. Yeah. Okay, but just for that commitment, I uh, also am asking you guys that are listening here. I struggle to find a good novel, and it's not that there aren't a lot of them out there. But I'm a fan of thrillers, um, fiction, and some of my favorite stories. Which not all these are books, but some of my favorite stories are like Memento, one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies ever. Fight Club is my favorite book and movie ever, as I think we mentioned. Um, Before I Go to Sleep was a favorite. The Girl on the Train was a favorite. So if you guys have recommendations for me for thrillers that you recommend, please, please call or email us because have that's... You, have you read Gone Girl? Because that movie was so great. Well, no, 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 I didn't. I saw the movie. I as we also established another one. I oh, I don't know why, but you I can't cannot. Go back and read I it. cannot read a book after I saw the movie. I just can't. I, don't, I already know what's going to happen. And I'm the me. opposite. I, I know the, the movie intrigues me to read the book. I'm jealous, but yeah. I only read to find out what's going to happen, and yeah. that's that's the thing. It gives so, it away. 
So um, if you have suggestions for me or Angie, but you know, I, I, she's not got time Angie to read likes, for fun. But Angie likes dis- teenage reads. I like teen reads yeah. and like dystopia, futuristic no, kind yeah. of novels. Yeah. Well, I want to start. series is what I like. I want to start right away. And you, sadly, you have to, well, not really sadly, but you have to focus on schoolwork and stuff. Yeah. I don't when I go to bed at night. So the sooner you guys can help me out, the better. Because what happens is I get my Kindle out, I go through the, go to the bookstore and I scroll <laughs> and I read the synopsis and I try a sample and I do that for a week and then I give up. So also feedback on that, guys. How important is the the cover and the synopsis to you when picking out a book. Oh, that's a good one. Because we, you know, Dan you know, is a writer and, you know, you struggle with that because yeah. his books, you don't want to give too much away in the synopsis, but you want to give just enough to, oh, I want to read that. Yes. So what is it that you look for when yeah. you're when you're looking for a good read? Give us idea. What do you look for? Yeah, is it, I, is it I the title? That. Is it the title that draws you yeah. in? Is it the artwork? Or is it the synopsis? Like, what is it? Right. Is and it how thick it is? Yeah. That's <laughs> and everything that I have read or friends that have gone to these uh, book uh, fairs or these authors uh, group group uh, whatever you call it workshops or mm-hmm. whatever they the consensus is number one is the cover number mm-hmm. two so everyone's first draw is the cover which as yeah. a reader I agree. And two is the synopsis on the back or the blurb. A, then you flip it over if you're interested in the cover. Right. And I know we're running long here, but I, I and we'll sort of bust through the end of it in a speed run here on the closer where links and stuff. But I did want to say for my first novel, In the Dark, which again, I've gotten 100% positive feedback. It's been universally enjoyed by those that have read it or listened to it on Audible. But I have gotten feedback, even in some of the book signings I've gone to for it, where people have said, if this, if someone didn't tell me about this book, I wouldn't have read it because of the cover. Now, the cover is amazing. One of, one of my good friends, an amazing yeah. artist, drew it for me. He followed my instructions. It's, it's an amazing work of art. Yeah. I have it framed on the wall behind uh-huh, me right now. Uh-huh. I love Beautiful. it. I love it. So it's not about that, but it's about the connection to the story. And it looks almost like a sci-fi scary thing from the cover, which is what I wanted. But then people have read it and told me, yeah, that's not what I, you know, it's not what I would have gotten. Everybody's so, perception is different. It too, is, so but, but you want to try to be as universal as possible with yeah. the cover. And what I've seen and noticed is that for a lot of fantasy stuff, very detailed covers for a lot of thriller stuff, very basic covers. And I write thrillers. Yeah. So I'm, I'm considering some cover changes for both of my books. I'm considering some changes to the description on the back. I would love to get feedback from you guys on that, especially those of you that may have read my books or may go read them. Um, I, I love to get feedback from yeah, people across the board. Honest feedback is the best. That's yeah. how you improve. All right, guys. So we're going to roll it up. Um, again, we want to hear from you. 407-490-3899 or feedback and findandangie.com. Anything you want to chat about, anything we already talked about. Yeah. So. Social media, you know, fine and dangy. That's Find it. us there. And uh, please rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget about that contest. Yeah. You can listen anytime to the podcast and enter that contest and share us with your friends if you like us. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We love doing it. And remember, as always, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, all fine and dangy.
Bye.